Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Melina Lee Williams Haas. I deeply appreciate you listening and taking the time to hang out with me. I will be addressing issues of life, the universe, and everything that are often bogged down and mired in shame and grief, and talk about how they can be repackaged to be useful and gorgeous and fucking awesome for you. So, sit back and relax, or, you know what? Sit up and freak out. However, you prefer to listen. Let's go. I'm a night person because I love being up late. I think the main reason is that with so many other people asleep, the background noise of other people's energy and bullshit sort of just fades away. I've noticed this also when I'm on airplanes. I have a feeling that my emotional life is so much more present when I'm on a plane. I think I really do believe that because there's just fewer people around you and less energy and less shit going on that you can focus in a way that's very different. And so therefore, I love the night for that. What I don't love is the night starting at four in the afternoon. And the first couple of times when I was visiting Sweden, in the winter and realizing how that lifestyle was, part of me at first was like, this is great. It's night all the time. And then I was like, no, I can't really enjoy the night unless there's day. And unless there's that transition. And so coming into the darkest time of the year here in North America, I do get really contemplative and all that shit. It's super fascinating. It's also the time of year where my beloved spousemeister and I celebrate our anniversary. Our first date was on the solstice of 2013. And we count our first date as the beginning of our relationship and our anniversary. Because pretty much within 48 hours after that, I was handed his keys and let known that this was my place now. And it has been true now for nine years. Which is really remarkable that that time has gone by so quickly and really amazing how close we are to one another and how that closeness just keeps growing more and more as the years progress. Part of me is so wistful that we were not able to meet and be with one another sooner so that we might have had more years of our lives so that our time together would not be pockmarked with back injuries and neck pain and doctor's visits and all the stuff that happens for many people as as we just get older. The reality, however, is that we were not ready for one another until that day that he found my profile on OkCupid and sent me that note. Something I see so often is people who are walking their paths solo or people who are involved in relationships that are unsatisfying, feeling as though life has passed and that their chance is gone, that it's too late. When I started sharing about my relationship with Georg Friedrich, so many people said to me, you know, 
that really gives me hope. The fact that a guy in his early 60s and a chick in her late 40s, mid-40s? How the fuck old was I? I don't know. I'm not going to math it. I was middle-aged. He was an older gentleman. (laughs) But people really took heart in the fact that not only did we find each other, but we found each other and have made something that is truly amazing, unique, special, wonderful, and gives light and hope to other folks. I just consider it living my life. But just living my life is enough. And one of the things that I have discovered in my path, especially since getting sober, but also definitely since pursuing a lifestyle in kink and BDSM and power exchange and all that freaky shit, is that giving myself permission to just be who I am is transformational. And I have been trying to figure out for years, years and years, what my job was in this life. What am I here to do? Why am I drawing breath into my lungs day after day after day? And I thought for a long time that it was absolute arrogance to assume that I was so special, that I had something so special to do and so special to say that on my worst days that I was worthy of even being alive. But on average, that I was even worthy of anyone listening to what I had to say. That blow, that damage, that crack in the foundation of my self-esteem has kept me small. For so much of my life, so much smaller than even the people around me knew. I don't think anyone fully realized how terrified I have been my whole life to fully be who I am. Some of that is nature, my anxiety, my depression. Some of that is nurture. It's very interesting. It seems on the surface completely fine and supportive to say to someone, you know, all people are equal. Everyone has their value. No one is better than anyone else. We all and all of this sort of thing. This was the messaging that I got from my mom. A broad degree of compassion for all people. We're all God's children. You know, you're not better or worse than anyone else. Of course, then Monday through Friday, At school, I received a rather different message because I went to a school for gifted kids. So, of course, we were told there that we were special, we were unique. And we had a responsibility to use our powers well and wisely. I liked that message a little bit more. I sure did. And I certainly learned very quickly that I absolutely was of lower value than many other people who were right beside me, who I had assumed an equality to, that was a lie. It was an illusion. See, my classmates did not have to rely on scholarships from the government to go to school. And if those scholarships didn't come through, to know that there was no quarter for them in getting assistance from their family. And in my case, yes, I was brilliant enough to accumulate a rather substantial sum 
of money in financial aid and in grants and in scholarships because of my brilliance and excellence. And that was pulled away because white men decided that it was quote-unquote unfair to the other students that black students had the quote-unquote advantage (laughs) of scholarships that they were not eligible for. America is a country that will destroy its best and brightest in order to make a point. And this was a reality that I ran headfirst into when I was 19. It was difficult to recover from that. I'm not sure that I have. However, I have come to understand that this systemic nightmare is not reflective of my worth. But it's hard to overcome that. It's hard to overcome perpetual messaging that you are not worthy. You don't matter. You're too much. You're too little. You're too fat. You're too skinny. You're too dark. You're too light. You're too, too, too fucking much. Or you're too small and not enough. Where are we supposed to fit in? What are we supposed to do? It has taken me until the age of 53 to be able to stand in front of someone else and genuinely hear and feel their appreciation for me, for who I am, just purely that. And part of me really wants to be able to turn around and shine that back on people who are suffering. Part of what I'm doing right now is I'm working on a project. I'll be talking about it more in the upcoming weeks where I'm hoping to start a little business and consulting and in teaching folks how to be. (laughs) I want people to be free to be themselves. I want people to be free to be themselves without shame. Because shame and shrinkage are two of the worst things that can we can do to ourselves and our bodies and our minds and our hearts. So as we come to the end of this year, which has been, holy crap, a roller coaster one for me. I don't know about you, but it's been a lot. Some of it amazing. Performing in this opera in Europe, a thing I never thought would be a part of my life. Being able to be in Germany, in Austria, in Switzerland with my beloved and seeing the work that he has done come to fruition in a way that he couldn't even have anticipated when he was a young man. It feels pretty fucking good. And the reason that I'm living this life of which I had dreamed for so many years is because I let go. When I met Georg, I had that week let go of my expectations and hopes of finding a partner, but not in a dark, sad way, in a way where I said, you know what, I am definitely ready to let go of this and move on to focusing on me. Tired of this, exhausted. And isn't it an interesting coincidence that that's when we connected? Hmm. Well, I don't really believe it's a coincidence, but for those who need coincidence, isn't it an interesting coincidence? For those who don't need coincidence, isn't it remarkable how directed your life becomes when you realize that letting go is the best way to steer? 
<laughs> and I have just seen this over and over again in my life. The first year of my relationship with, with, with Georg Friedrich, I didn't know how I was ever going to fit my being a performer back into this life because he consumed everything. Time, energy, bandwidth, brainwaves, all of it was just pouring into him. And I thought to myself, maybe I should walk away from this because if I ever want to have a shot at doing my own shit, how am I going to do this under the umbrella of this person who's consuming everything? Well, as it turned out, once we had figured out how to begin to really be in our relationship, the door opened to our collaboration, to my going from being a muse who provides to a muse who provides and supports and carries it out and manifests it in ways that neither of us could have ever predicted. And that was a result of him letting go as well. Because you see, the first year that we were together, he did not avail himself of any recordings of my performances because he was afraid that maybe I was not very good and then he would be bummed out that he was married to a shit performer. And I was like, are you kidding? I'm amazing. Thank you very much. Now you know. And that was the beginning of our collaboration. And it is ongoing and it is fucking fantastic. And the fact is, had I panicked and said, you know what, I don't see how this is going to work and left, I would never have seen how fucking flawlessly it works. Fear is the mind killer. Yeah, that fucking dune prayer is some shit. I try very hard to hold my owner when fear takes him. He has some fearsome, fearsome beasts in his past. And those still have a hold on his heart and mind sometimes. As mine do as well. That's some human shit. And when you can take a deep breath and let the fear flow, because eventually it ebbs. And when it ebbs, what's left behind is what you want to look at. What's under the fear? I have so much fear of success. It is nuts. I have so much fear of being too much, of being boring, of being uninteresting, of not being useful. Part of that fear is what kept me from podcasting for the months after the opera. During the opera, yeah, I just, every time I looked at that mic, I was like, I gotta, I can, I gotta run my lines. <laughs> I gotta do this character work. But then afterwards, I did have more room. And I just started to feel like, well, you know, it's been so long. It's not like people are clamoring for this shit. Like no one has said, hey, where's your podcast? I miss it. So I just let it ride. And then I realized that whether or not anyone has said they miss it, perhaps they do. And I started to think about perhaps shifting the focus so that I'm doing these for me. My memory is not great. And I tell you, going through menopause will jack your shit up. If you have a uterus, let me tell you right now, oof. It can be rough <laughs> and the, the hot flashes and all of that shit is one thing, 
but the brain fog and the forgetfulness and the lack of focus is another. My gosh, it is brutal. And not everyone experiences that, but many, many people with uteruses do. And so just, you know, you heard it here first that this is the first time you heard it. Brace yourself, Betty, because the shit is wild. Part of the reason I post so often on Facebook, minutia and, and just quotidian crap is so that I can look back and remember. I value so highly these year-end roll-ups because then I look and I'm like, oh yeah, oh gosh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> and then I can remember the good, the bad, the ugly, the awesome, the ridiculous, the shocking, all of that. And once I take a look at it, once I recall, and once I truly remember, I am in awe of how much I grow still daily. I'm amazed by who I am now versus who I was six months ago versus six years ago. And I'm just so happy to be able to share that with folks. If it, infi- if it inspires people, that's great. But it has to just be for me. It's so vital to do what it is that you do and to love it and for it to be for you first and foremost. Because that's the only way to make that shit sustainable, y'all. I'm fucking serious. If you do shit for other people, purely, or as pure as you think, you're going to burn out. You must receive a benefit somehow from everything that you do, from every step of your life. It has to benefit you and grow your own spirit and soul and feed you. The darkness of winter is valuable for giving us more time to see the sky, to see the stars, to feel how beautiful it is when the quiet of darkness envelops wherever you are on earth. I recently did a guided meditation as part of uh, an exercise in developing a business plan. Yeah, what? Yeah, what? Yeah, Um, I know. All the people were like, but Mel, you're not woo. I'm like, yeah, I'm not woo, but I am. (laughs) And it was very interesting to me. During the guided meditation, one of the things that I realized was that, you know, you hear people talk about like, oh, the white light and the light and the whiteness and the whatever. And every time I've done these meditations, I have felt a darkness, which at first I was like, well, this is kind of unsettling. Isn't that supposed to be something that you're not seeking out? Aren't we supposed to be seeking the light? But then I started thinking about it and I had a subsequent conversation with Vi Johnson, who I have spoken about previously in a previous episode, kind of one of my adopted moms, her and her partner, Jill Carter, definitely my spiritual moms. Because mm. my bio mom really doesn't dig me that much, I don't think. And so one of the things that we were talking about was the question of why the idea of an enveloping darkness is not seen as instantaneously positive. And I started thinking about the dark and what that meant. And I realized, you know, darkness is everywhere and it's vital. Plants, trees, animals, everything in the world needs night and the dark. And I started thinking larger. 
space, vacuum, all of these things. And then it hit me at the center of our universe, at the center of the galaxies, causing those swirling patterns that we see are black holes which science used to think of as these terrifying, churning monsters that just ate matter and energy and gravity. But now we know that, yes, they do those things, but they also produce tremendous amounts of energy. Shit that we don't even completely understand right now. So when I focus on myself and I I try to go into my own heart and mind and I feel this swirling darkness... And I wonder why I'm not afraid or I wonder why I'm not bathed in white light. It hit me that darkness is vital. And my center being dark and calm and a quiet place where I can sit with myself and think away from the noise and bustle and brightness of all the other things that often blind us. When we're in the dark, what we see is what our mind projects. Once our optic nerve has processed all the residual light that's in it, and we are truly acclimated to darkness, we start to see further. You can't see further in broad daylight with the sun beaming down on you with its gorgeous radiation. But when it's dark, you can. When it's dark, you can see further. When it's dark, it's safe to escape. And I really want to honor that. And as we move into the darkest times of the year, I want to figure out a way for me to celebrate that. And I hope that you also can as well. And perhaps you are a very light-oriented person, and that's great. There's plenty out there for you already. But I want to reach out also to the folks for whom the darkness is the safe haven. And not evil, and not wicked, and not... What's the word I'm looking for? I keep going back to dark. Isn't that funny? You know, as a black person... (laughs) I was like, you know, we're constantly associated with darkness in a negative way. I just want to have dark be beautiful. I want us to celebrate the night. I want that shadow to have that respect and weight that it deserves and not be a source of fear. Being afraid of the dark is being afraid of the unknown and what you can't see. But if you can't see something, are you then completely unable to know a thing, a person, a place? Or do you just need to extend, (laughs) do you just need to extend other antennae? Darkness helps us learn about ourselves in ways as well. My husband is rather famous in many ways, in many circles for the fact that he incorporates darkness into his pieces. There are pieces that he has crafted that are designed to be played entirely in the dark. There is an amazing thing that happens when you are in a room with a couple hundred people 
and it's pitch black. You start to hear people's breathing. The shuffling of someone's foot in front of you suddenly becomes an event. The notes take on their own life and bounce around you in a way that doesn't happen when you can be distracted by something going on that catches your eye. And so maybe this time of the year, the darkest time, is a time for us to reflect about what we don't need to see to understand. Our hearts, our souls, all of this shit. You don't need to be looking at it to see it and to understand it. Oh, man. I As I'm moving into this next year and this next phase of my life and the, the projects that I'm trying to do and the things I'm trying to work on, I have so much hope. But I also have so much fear. I'm really afraid. And I'm not even afraid of failing. I'm fine with that. I'm used to that. I'm afraid of, of getting what I want. <laughs> because so often I have not. I am not practiced at success. I'm not practiced at celebrating my own successes. I'm not practiced at feeling valuable simply because I exist. I'm working on it. I'll get better soon. <laughs> so what I want to carry to you as we come to the end of this year that has been really tough for plenty of us is not only that I love you because I sure as fuck do, and I also love the darkness that you carry, the quiet, the peace, the long view into space, the view back in time. Night gives you the opportunity to time travel, to see the stars and galaxies, the light of whom arrives to us thousands, millions of years after it was generated. You're time traveling every time you look up in the stars. And darkness gives us that. And I hope, my hope for you is that in the season of darkness, you can wrap yourself up in it and feel safe and nurtured and loved. If by no one else, then by yourself. Because that's where it needs to start. It needs to begin from you going into your quiet, darkest corner and finding the love for yourself there. And this is not something that I take lightly because, holy shit, do I have to work hard on that. But if even just for a moment you can quietly sit and love yourself in that small, darkened corner of your heart, then I promise you the warmth and safety of that darkness will be something that you can seek out and in which you can find solace and joy. <laughs> light is wonderful, but light is nothing without darkness. And you got to think about it this way. The majority of the planet we are on 
is dark. Most of the planet is seas, oceans, and rivers, and under a certain point, there is no light. Add to that that half of the planet is dark at any given time, and this is a dark ball of dirt and water. Vibrate with that shit. That's powerful. Let's not look at darkness as something to be avoided or to be afraid of. Let's look at it as a place of rejuvenation, especially as we turn back towards the light of the spring and summer times, you know? Those times are beautiful and amazing. And I tell you, my favorite, favorite time of year, (laughs) summer evenings. That sunset in the summer where you can just see the warmth hovering in the air, the molecules dancing as the darkness comes and envelops and brings that cooler night breeze. I love that dark. I love the soft darkness of being at the edge of the world on a beach, on a cliff, and watching the sun recede and watching the stars tell me ancient stories. This is the blessedness of darkness. And I hope that you are able to embrace that and feel it as deeply as I am feeling it right now. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay dark. You've been listening to All That and Mo. Thanks so much for spending your precious, precious time with me today. My podcast is produced by Cody Crabb, theme music by Georg Friedrich Haas, as performed by Marcus Weiss. And I look forward to spending time with you again really soon. Mm-hmm.